Hey there, my name is Janny and I'm the host of What's On Your Mind. I interview guests about their weekly musings and Wikipedia rabbit holes, like toxic beauty standards, or the impact of redlining, or bees. Whatever it is, we'll process it together. We'll all learn a little something and take another step in creating our own stories, all while adding another laugh line to your face. What's On Your Mind now has a second Mental Health Monday series called Method to the Madness, where we discuss issues that impact our mental health as they relate to our very unique and different backgrounds, perspectives, and ideologies. We hope to create a space where we can engage in critical dialogue, listen to, challenge, and learn from each other. We hope to model how different people can come together and find our common interest. So we might get a little mad at each other, but at the end of the day, we are mad at how mental health is dealt with and talked about. So together, we will end the stigma around mental health, mental illness, and suicide prevention. What you're about to hear is actually the audio from our video series. You can find the video series on the Be Fearless You, IGTV, and YouTube channel. The hosts of this show are me, Janie Rad, Corey Lynn Bailey from the Be Fearless You Foundation, and John Foley from Men's Methodology and the James Foley Foundation. As a disclaimer, the stories shared on this platform may include triggering content. Please take care of yourself while listening. We will not be providing advice, therapy, or counseling. That is not the intended purpose of this space. If you are seeking professional advice or need to talk to someone immediately, please connect with a mental health professional or call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, 1-800-273-TALK. That's 800-273-8255. Ready? Okay. I don't know. Some people are really particular about their schedules. I mean, there's like so like I heard about. I want no, no, no. I want <laughs> more. Do it more. <laughs> no, you didn't do it fast enough. Okay, ready? One more time. Ready? Who? Him or me? Both of you. Okay, ready? <laughs> ready? One. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Method to the Madness. I think we're on episode three. Are we? I'm already kind of losing count already. (laughs) Well, we are back. Janie, Corylin, and John, we are excited to be here with you today. And um, today we're going to really focus on uh, family and mental health. So Mm. I'm going to kick it off with a question and whoever wants to answer first, feel free to answer. Um, And the question is, uh, what is the conversation around mental health like in your homes currently or past homes? Um, So it's a really interesting question because uh, as recent as this past Christmas, um, I have a a therapist, right? That I meet meet with on a regular basis. And I was was home, (laughs) home during Christmas lucky enough to be home. And uh, I had an appointment at nine o'clock on a Monday. And my house is such, or my parents' house is such as you can hear everything. So I I took the call in the car. And then like, when I came out of the car, I was like, is everything okay? You know, <laughs> I mean, like, you yeah. know, is, is, you know, are, are you okay, John? I was like, no, mom, no, Katie, my sister. Uh, I just had a call with my therapist. Like, Oh, it was like a silent pause. And then mm-hmm. I just kind of like walked in the other room. It's like, okay, that that's it. Bye. <laughs> like, yeah. So it was a bit of an awkward moment, but um, I think, I think there's, at least in the Foley's there's, there's, there's still some work to do for sure. 
that's too funny because I do the same thing here. I'm obviously in in a new place right now. I'm in my parents' house and I actually sent them upstairs for recording and I moved my therapy session to when I'm not going to be at home because I just, I just, I don't know. It just feels weird. And then I have to like explain and I just, yeah, I just don't want to deal with all that. <laughs> you know, I mean, growing up, we didn't, it wasn't talked about probably because it would have made them call themselves out. But I know like for me, I try to talk to my kids about it and it's shocking how I feel like I'm open enough to, they can come to me, but yet mm. they still don't. And so I remember one night listening to my child talking to one of her friends where she's actually sharing exactly how she feels. And I am sitting on a couch, like eavesdropping at three in the morning, <laughs> some, like, you know, bad kid. And then the next morning being like, so, you know, like trying to kind of like have this awkward conversation, um, I think the other one, I mean, I mean, we talk about it, but yet we don't. I mean, yeah. after my suicide attempt in 2016, you know, I, when I came back, nobody talked about it and off to my business trips, I go and hi ho, hi ho. Right. And so that it's kind of like, yeah, we talk about it, but only when it's convenient, you know, otherwise it's, I feel like it's still swept under the rug. You know, like I shared with my husband, you know, some changes I'm feeling and, and how I'm like, I, I literally just confessed. I am sad. I am depressed. I do not know what to do. I I'm struggling. And, you know, I think it equates to him as, you know, that, you know, he just, he doesn't understand as much as he wants to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think mental health is depending on what the topic is. I mean, just let's, let's take grief for a second. Right. Um, you know, I unfortunately had a couple of people die. In, in my family and uh, not as a bad badge of merit, but I just had a little anecdotal experience with it. And it's interesting to see the focus that people go through. Cause, cause what I've found is that number one, grief is such a personal um, story or journey, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it, it seems like people do one of two things and they either focus on the living or they focus on the dead. And, and, and I'm not saying there's a right or wrong way because it's super, or should I say hyper personalized, but um, it's, it's interesting. And, and usually it's like, uh, at least in my experience, just like the recent passing of my friend, uh, you know, people are there to support you like initially. And then it's like, okay, it's time to get back to our regular lives. Yeah. You're fine. Tough it up, man up. You're good. You're good. Attaboy. I think just like with grief too, I think the conversation in my household, it's it's hard because I think depression and anxiety aren't like other mental illnesses that are maybe like, it's not as, I don't know what it is. It's not that it's not as obvious or maybe it's just, not, it's just talked about in a different way. So like for my family, you know, someone who has bipolar disorder, you know, they, they kind of understand that. Um, but for, you know, me, when I, you know, when I was going through depression or anxiety, it was like to them, depression was sadness or anxiety was stress. And so that's how it was handled. It was like, well, don't be sad or don't be stressed out. Um, and so that conversation just never really went anywhere. But it was also hard for me growing up too. like, I couldn't really put words around it either. So like, as hard as it was for them to ask me like, Hey, what's wrong? I almost couldn't put it into words either because 
people, you know, my age weren't really talking about it either. Like maybe I was just a teenager that was sad, or maybe I was just stressed out because of school. So I also couldn't meet them like halfway into a conversation because I couldn't even put words around what help I needed or what was wrong with me. Like I didn't even know. I also just thought I was sad and stressed out. No, I mean, I, and Jenny, you bring up a fabulous point. I mean, I, in my 42nd year, about to be 42 here coming up. And I think that's one of the hardest things to do is like, what am I really feeling? And, and it takes work. It takes work. Um, and you got to journal about it. And like emotions are just spinning around, especially depending on what the, the topic is. And I, I think, you know, I mean, I definitely, even as a 20 year old, wasn't equipped to, to label emotions. In fact, for me, it was just more just keep doing what you're doing and, and, and persevere. So the fact that we're having this conversation, I think is unique and awesome. I think, and that's the thing for me is like with my kids, I try to be strong, right? And not let them mm. see inside. But yet it's almost kind of like I'm sending a mixed message of, I want you to share. Oh, but don't, don't, don't share, right? Mom's mm. not sharing. I mean, I, you know, so I try, I've been trying, like I shared with them that I started a new medicine, which was huge for me because mm. I, you know, haven't discussed that publicly except for with Janie um, and myself, Right. I mean, even my husband didn't know until I said, yeah, can you pick up the prescription? <laughs> you know, and so, um, you know, it was the first time this weekend where I was like, this is why I think I've been so emotional and here's what I think is going on. And, you know, here's what I'm doing about it, you know, and I wanted them to understand that I was finding a solution to what I felt was going on. And that was big because I historically would not say anything which was why when I attempted what I did, everyone was like, but you always smile. You're always so happy. You're always so funny. And that's me. But when the noise quiets down and I don't have my brain going at a fast speed, I find myself thinking of the things that I have the time to grieve for, you know, my siblings, um, you know, Josh and Kim. And, and then I find myself kind of getting in this, this, this cycle. And, I think it's, you know, hard when I'm around people like, you know, my husband's never lost a sibling, right? And so my kids don't, thank God, don't experience that loss because then I would experience loss of a child. But you know what it's like. I mean, grief hits at the most inexplicable times. But I, I also, it's, I think the thing that I'm finding is that I'm not just grieving who I lost. I'm grieving who I had to remove from my life mm. and who wasn't good for me despite or family of origin mm. right because you can't choose that but you can choose your family of choice and so I've had to make that and so what I'm finding is as I'm getting older and I'm clinging more to my kids right I'm like okay it's family time once a week and and they've been doing it right I mean so they're they're respecting it but then I'm like I start mourning you know should I should I make contact should I do this should I do that before it's too late is that the right thing for me now is that healthy mentally yeah i mean yeah i mean oh, filming stuff is just so hard you know I, I i had my older brother die and and i know like when that mm-hmm. happened you know there's there was five kids uh seven of us total and really when when it happened everyone went into their own little silos of of mourning or grief or, or processing, maybe processing is probably the better term. Mm. And, uh, you know, at times it's a selfish experience because it's really only you 
figuring it out. And, and, and for me, I mean, I, I didn't do well with it. I basically at one point didn't talk to my family for a year and a half. So not only did my brother die, but the rest of my family died for that period. So, I mean, right, wrong, or indifferent, that's just how it happened. Mm-hmm. Luckily uh, I came back and they're super uh, accepting. And so, you know, uh, super blessed to come from such a loving, loving family, but um you know, not everyone experiences that. Sometimes it's it's one of those what you know, you make a dumb decision, which I I made. Who 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 wouldn't, you know, talk to their family for a year and a half? It's it's idiotic. Um, but uh, I'm over eleven plus years. Yeah, yeah. So it happens, right? And then and then then you lose that. So then you know, it's just it's just hard. It's just hard. I I really don't know where I'm I'm going with this, but it's it's just such a uh, super personal experience. And then, you know, and, and then for me later on, that, that's where I, I, I had to get help, but, uh, and just to kind of source through some of these emotions and, and what, you know, me personally, I was feeling, cause obviously I was definitely left or right of center. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. That's so interesting. I mean, I, I haven't obviously been in the same position of you all of losing, um, a sibling, but I, it's weird. I actually empathize and have shared that similar idea of like grief and not being able to process my grief and even like communicate and justifying why I am feeling a type of grief that to me also, it actually manifested in separating myself from my family and kind of not talking and, and not being as open. And when we would communicate, it was like, I would just kind of lash out. Like I would just be so frustrated and angry. And I, and I still actually find myself slipping back into those habits sometimes of just like when I'm feeling so emotional and I just, and it's just like, I, I, I don't know how to talk about it in a way that can be received. Um, effectively, I just, I, I snap right back into just like shutting myself down, separating myself and lashing out and, um, and just not wanting to talk. And I don't know, I mean, I guess emotions and grief and all those, all of those feelings are complicated and they make us do, they make us do things like that. Um, Yeah. I mean, and, and I think, I think on top of that, like, like for me and there's this Indian teaching. I, why am I forgetting the name? But essentially what happens, like in my case, you know, you keep breathing in fire, like all the stress and anxiety, and then your adrenaline's going and you're essentially you're redlining a car that is your body. And like, for me, I had super gastrointestinal issues, uh, which culminated in surgery. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is, is if you um, pent up your emotions and kind of like a soda soda bottle and keep the cap on and just keep shaking and shaking and shaking. It's going to explode somewhere. And yeah. so when you talk about that, that talking or at least having a support network, it's just so important. Well, and it's funny that you said that because the doctor that treated me when I did what I did in 2016 said it was a matter of time before your train hit, took off the track. Yeah. It was going and going and going. And I'll be very honest. I mean, Janie and I just had this conversation not a while back where I was like, I mean, it was funny because our we were in sync a week off a little bit, but it was like, I'm overwhelmed. I'm failing. Oh my God. I don't know what's going on. And I could feel, plus I was switching the medicines. I was so emotional. I, mean, I was crying. Anything you could say, boo, or hi, Corey Lynn. And I'd be like, oh. and it was 
out of control. I mean, I literally like hysterical dry heat kind of like, you know, my life's over kind of thing. And um, I found myself in a really bad place. Mm. And I was like, I'm struggling. Like I, this is what's going on. And I mean, I couldn't even like talk to her because I couldn't talk. I was, I literally could not talk because I would cry, but I didn't share that with anyone in my family. You know, when I, I invited everyone over and I, we had a cookout and I just bottled it. And, um, that's why the day that that post came out with the woman, right. With her head on the shower, just kind of like, that was me, you know, because nobody understands except for y'all because we're busy all the time you know, and we're trying to change lives. And But that is interesting, though. Like, I think you bring up a really interesting point. And, and the point is, and, and please, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth. So you tell me to shut up. And I know you will. But you know, when you're talking about like the, the homeopathic side of medicine, or Eastern and the allopathic side of medicine, which is, you know, the MD side, you know, it's really interesting, you know, for the longest time, like with my stomach issues, they were like, Oh, they give me these medicines and go back away and whatever. And really, it's, it's, it's a really interesting discussion, because it's like, are the medical doctors, you know, are they treating symptoms or the root cause, you know? And so, so uh, I, I think it brings up an interesting discussion where I think we're, it seems like lately we're becoming more aware of the homeopathic or Eastern me- medicines in Eastern way. Um, but, but there's something to be said for trying to find that true root cause that, that, Ultimately, I believe, you know, the stress does horrible things. Absolutely. It mo- modifies genes and that, that's where you get cancers or whatever I had and, and, and stuff. And so, you know, how do we get to that root cause? Um, I watched the documentary with Woody Allen about his daughter, right? And that Woody Allen, Mia Farrow documentary on HBO. And I got to tell you, it jacked with my head so bad because everything that she was saying reading action everything I mean if y'all haven't seen it I mean I literally it it was sad because nobody believed her and everyone was praising Woody Allen right for 78 films and all these things and meanwhile you know here's poor abused soul right that I'm sorry what happened to her uh Woody her father raped and molested her for years and you know um the, the only reason that they did not press charges was because they didn't want to put her through more trauma. Hmm. And so that was my trigger along with all the mess. So my oh, point yeah. being, like, you know, it just, like, I, I look at all these triggers and I can't imagine the triggers of the shootings yesterday, the triggers of the, the hate crime. Right. I mean, in yeah. two weeks we've lost. So, I mean, it's just, like I found myself in a dark hole. I don't know about any of y'all, but I just, was really struggling to see brightness. But John, when you were talking about stress, I totally, totally agree. And it's interesting because, you know, I mentioned, you know, when my, my parents would say, you know, don't be sad and don't be stressed. I mean, the reason where they were coming from is because like, I grew up in an Indian household. So like homeopathic, 
um, you know, perspective was really common. So for them, they, they saw that stress was literally killing me. And I got diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder my first year of college. And, you know, they would, yeah. yeah, And they, they were telling me, you got to figure out how to keep your stress down. You got to figure out how to keep your stress down. And on, it was like, you know, part of my brain heard that and understood it. But the other part of my brain was like, but it's harder for me to do it. I know I have to, but I don't know. I don't know how to, like, I know that's what I need to do. So just hearing the phrase, oh, this is what you got to do. That wasn't helping me, even though I, I knew at the end of the day, yes, reducing my stress that ultimately would help with, you know, all my autoimmune disorders. And for me, part of it also was a part of it has is a gastro thing. Some of it is a stress thing. Some of it's an, it's an asthma thing. Like it's all over, but it's weird because I was on a lot of um, medicine for my stomach for a lot of years. And it's so interesting. The thing that finally got my symptoms to go away was going on antidepressants because then I was all of a sudden more calm. And then I guess I was less stressed. And so then a lot of my autoimmune disorder symptoms started to go away, which is bizarro. Yeah. And they didn't figure that we didn't try that for I don't know, I want to say like 10 years. So for 10 years, we were literally just treating gastric symptoms. But it was like, as soon as we started to look at the underlying stress that was leading to all my autoimmune disorder stuff, that the rest of it has just kind of fizzled out. So like, I I get it. I get the like, stress is so bad for us. Jenny, that's crazy. Because uh, I, I, so crazy, because I had a similar thing that happened because I had asthma too and autoimmune stuff. And then, you know, got some additional help and it's kind of, some of it's just dissipated. And so it's just, just interesting. I think it'd be so cool. Like if you could go to these different places in the world and like try different things. I mean, John would be our guinea pig. You and I would just migrate. (laughs) Let's travel. (laughs) What? No, We're we're just there to enjoy the trip, but we'll not We'll watch you and you will say, Hey, John, can you do this? That's why like things like, you know, people, you know, especially if people who might come from the more um, medical side, you know, don't really look at yoga and meditation and mindfulness as something that, you know, is, could be as helpful as other things. And maybe they're not as helpful, but in conjunction, or maybe for some people, they are as helpful. Like those options definitely do work for some people, because if the whole thing is that they're getting to help people relieve their stress and anxiety in some way, then, you know, who, who are we to tell people that, you know, that's not doing anything. If it's working for them, it's working. But then that brings up, let's define what's, you know, secondary, right? Some people may consider certain drugs that aren't medically prescribed, right? Or, or whatever it may be, right? I mean, that helps them. Um, John, I also wanted to ask you a question too, because I obviously don't have kids. I am, I am a kid (laughs) still, I feel like in my brain, but Corey kind of talked about her kids. So um, how are you with the topic of mental health with your kids? Like, is that something that you're really purposeful of or like, how, how do you kind of approach it as a, as a parent? Great question. So, so my situation is a bit different to Miss Corlin because I'm divorced and uh, that brings its own um, unique circumstances. We'll, mm. we'll just leave it there. But particularly with my daughter who's 13, 
one of the things that I've really tried not to do because she's adult and she's not an adult or she's getting to be an adult and, and she's not, you know, she's still very much a kid mm. is that, you know, a couple of times I, I've really been direct about the, the conversation, especially like when my friend died and, and um, in the past I've, I've actually kind of I failed with her uh, in that, my brother died on August 19th. And oh, by the way, that's her birthday. And oh. as as she was growing up, I I never had the discussion with her. She kind of found out. So that was a failure on me as a, as a dad. And, you know, I'm trying to do better. And so what I've tried to do is, is they live in Springfield, Illinois, and which is an hour and a half from St. Louis. And so on those car rides, she sits in the front, she's the oldest. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really try to use that time to kind of have like a dialogue with her and we'll talk about anything and then kind of throw in some of those subjects or kind of like, hey, how are your friends? And just kind of get a temperature gauge um, and, and, and try my best there. And and I agree with Corey Lynn's Lynn's point in that man trying to go for like a face shot and be direct about something is is usually a good recipe for getting the Heisman and getting shut down, you know. And so, um, yeah. And so so my my approach is is more uh, trying trying to get her talking and and really connecting with her. In fact, you know, I'm I'm on Snapchat. We have a 34 day snap streak. So, yeah, so uh, I've, I'm work in progress, just like everyone else. And, and I'm, I'm trying to do better. And, and uh, my idea is just to keep an open line of communication, any means necessary. My, my other question before we just kind of wrap up to, to you both, um, because me and my fiance, obviously just, you know, we mental health is like, I know almost husband, um, mental health is really important to us. So we've talked about like, you know, you know, like when we have a kid, this is, you know, the, the approach we want to take around creating an open, you know, space for dialogue, um, like John says, and having conversations. Um, I'm curious for you both, is that something that you went into parenthood already kind of knowing that or is that something that you either figured out kind of along the way or did you go in with one plan and then as when you became a parent it kind of went through the window and you were like oh, I got to adjust and pivot I think there were certain aspects I took into the parenting such as I think I was very open about abuse and touching and things like that so I was very forthcoming mm. I don't think in other areas I was and I didn't know it was my first time parenting, obviously, right? So, I mean, I didn't know what that 16-year-old self was going to be or, you know, compared to the, the you know, oh, they're crawling and walking. <laughs> I would say that um, as each child was born and came in and I was learning better, I would say that it's definitely a topic we have consistently. Um, with Lexi, you know, I try to be mindful and, and ask those questions of how is your day? How are you? Is there something going on? And, and I mean, she's, I think does really well, but I think there's still some things that she just can't parent. I don't want to talk about, but yeah, I think we're more mindful of it, especially after what happened. I, the only thing that I went into parenting thinking was no one will ever touch my child. Mm. No one will ever violate them and no one will put their hands on them. And that's over my dead body. And that still stands today. 
And so um, I was very forthcoming in those specific areas. I wish I had completed the circle. So, you know, I don't, I don't, I think John was beating himself up on the daddy fail because going back to that, John, I mean, in all honesty, I don't, I, I don't think I would have handled anything differently myself. I mean, that's it. That you had this celebratory moment because you have a child and you have a very horrific tragedy on the other hand of the same day, right? I mean, it's it's not ideal. But the fact that you and and not only that, but looking back, I would look at it in this in this sense, and I hope your daughter does one day of that you're human. You're you're not a superhero. You're a dad who feels like everybody else, including her. And your heart was so broken, you didn't know how to grab those pieces to make it. You did the absolute very best you could. And and sharing it with her, just you know, say I was I was a broken human. I had lost a, a piece of me. Um, I think is you know so crucial. And I wish I had spoke more about that with the loss of my brother you know, and handled it and maybe had different conversations. So, um, thank you. That's really nice. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to take a little different approach to, to answering their question, uh, in that, well, when I was married at 25 and had kids at 27, I knew nothing. So that's, let's mm. clear that. But, <laughs> but as I got older, I think one of the things I learned from my, my last relationship, what, what I'm really trying to carry forward is that, the importance of the the marital union and the behaviors you elicit. I think uh, one a great book to read is what John Gottman, Seven Principles of Marriage. Yeah, I read it. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know on that stuff. And like, because what happens is, is the the behaviors that you model, the bids for repair, the uh, all the other stuff, the stonewalling, the arguments, the criticism the kids are just sucking it in mm. and and they are viewing that as their model of what a relationship is so i think um yes one um i mean obviously uh you're going to be a good parent you know i i think but it helps having a good relationship because you know i mean parenting stressful especially when you have a a, a terrible 2 year old and they're just crying and they're just in the middle of like, I don't know, like Macy's, you know, just a fit and you're just so stressed and everyone's looking, yeah, and everyone's looking at you like you are the crappiest parent on the face of the earth and you're oh, just no. like, Jack Fool, you better get off that damn floor. Right? And that communication that you have with you and your spouse is what's going to really carry you through those those tough moments and you know the fact of the matter is 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 even even if you can get to the point where you're aware of that you're having the conversation and be like hey me and so and so are having the conversation jack and roy doesn't mean we hate each other but we're just discussing it and explain that that situation to them and then thereby you're giving them the tools that i never had i think is amazing but i think having the ability to what John said, but also the ability to have your kids hear you say you're sorry and and sincerely mean it. I, I really learned a lot from you both today because I mean I know our prompt was family, but um <laughs> but you know, I feel like what we've kind of talked about 
today and all of this is just like one, like there's no right or wrong way to react to things. People are human and every human is just doing the best they can. And when you're in a family, it's literally a household of people who are doing the best they can. And almost it's like, you know, as long as people are doing their best and when they do mess up, you're owning it and at least modeling like what good conversations are, then hopefully you're creating an environment that inevitably could lead to just better mental health for everybody involved. I feel like that's kind of what my takeaway from all this has been. And I think maybe it also too opens up the discussions to move from the text conversations and the social media conversations with your kids, you know, when parents are texting, like, and actually have those real conversations where emotions can be felt and can be seen and um, you know, when you ask your kid, Corylin, like, hey, like, how are you doing? Like that, if that be prepared then to hear how your kid is doing. It's like, you have yeah. to know if you're putting it out there, then you have to either be prepared to like get called out on things and got to be okay with it. Or two, like if your kid is going through some and they tell you that you're going to have to like handle it. So um, that's another thing too. <laughs> and, be, and be prepared to be shut down. Sure. Mental <laughs> yes. health is a team sport. <laughs> Oh, I, oh, I'm going to name that this episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this series of our Method to the Madness um, IGTV and YouTube series is sponsored by the Almond Clinic. The Almond Clinic is one of the world's leaders in applying brain imaging and science to help people who struggle with anxiety, emotional issues, learning challenges like dyslexia, ADD, cognitive problems, and um Y'all definitely need to check them out. You can go to uh, almondclinics.com and learn more about them. A-M-E-N-C-L-I-N-I-C.com. Let me get my boomerang setting. Do you all know what boomerangs are? Yes. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. This is fun. I think this is going to be fun, actually. This is going to be We might actually get some listeners, people. getting me? You know what? Let me just take a picture. Just <laughs> <laughs> boomerang it. I don't know why we're not recording now. Girl, I have been. Ready, set. Okay, we're not ready, set, go. One, two, three. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> no, I think it's .com. No, it's, it's .org. Oh, okay. Any? I'm willing to bet you about <laughs> 500 yes. bucks oh, right wait, now. Wait, wait, wait. I want, I want, what's the bet? I want, what's the bet? What's the bet? No, I $500. No, I believe you. Oh, yeah, we are really? recording. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's the red, the red dot. Okay, so I'll, I'll say three, and then we'll wait two more And then seconds. we'll wait two. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. Okay, This see. is not my first rodeo, hon. Let me just say that. <laughs> that was funny, y'all. No, I didn't do it. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Subscribe wherever podcasts are found. And of course, rate, review, and share with a friend. If you want to learn more about me, you can check out my website, jannyrad.com. That's J-A-N-I-R-A-D.com. Head on over to jannyrad.com slash podcast and click on support the show. Love the podcast music? That's BK Williams. You can follow him on Instagram, Brian K underscore Williams 28. Thanks for listening.